You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. I'm going to share with you on becoming a good husband, becoming a good husband. And for the husbands, this is a brief guide to your most important ministry. Your most important ministry is your wife. Unfortunately, over the years, uh, that has been uh, not emphasized so much. So I'm going to pray soon. And how does this relate to the women? Well, first off, if you're looking for a husband, you're going to be looking, look for these traits. These are the traits that you, yeah. These are the traits you want to look for. Now, also, I have also found that if you're single, you can be a blessing to a married couple. And sometimes singles actually have to counsel married couples and they do a good job because they're on the outside, kind of looking in, and so that helps. Also, for our ministry and people connected to our ministry, we have a lot of people getting married. I have a, in, in my there's about eight that I know of off of the top of my head. Uh, Gideon set a date for getting married, which is in September. And, of course, Kiara's just come back, and she's engaged. <laughs> We've got other things happening. I don't know what is public and what is not public, so I can't share everything. But we've, there is a numerous people uh, getting married or just uh, about to get married. Uh, and uh, like Missy is one of them. Missy's engaged now, and he's getting... He's getting married, so we're happy. We're happy for all of these. And so we're talking about becoming a good husband. So let me pray. Let me pray, and then I'll get into this. Father, I want to thank you for your words. And Lord, your kingdom is meant to be evident in our homes and our lives, our everyday lives. Lord, you're wanting your presence and your kingdom to go out of your house and into our homes so that our homes become like your house and that people could see a visible testimony our neighbors our friends our families could see a visible testimony testimony of the difference that Christ makes in our lives Lord I'm asking this morning that you raise up men real men men of God pillars those who stand in the house of God, those who lift up their hands to praise and worship and to intercede. Lord, we pray for a move of God that the men would arise in this nation and become men of God, men like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And we're going to put our hands on our hearts. 
in our hearts, and if you pray this with me, dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Again, my heart is that everybody has something that they take out of this, uh, becoming a good husband. I was sitting on the, uh, my backyard cafe, our backyard ba- cafe. You know, some of you have seen it. It's, uh, and we, Anna, for my birthday, she, brought, she, she bought me a, a teapot and some teacups. And so I made a cup of tea for, for Anna, and then we were sitting on the, uh, at the backyard cafe. And I said to her, let's not talk about anything stressful. Let's just try to relax. It was Thursday. And I was thinking about last week's message. I talked about becoming a good father. And I said to Anna, what do you think would make uh, a good husband? You know, what, what are the traits? What are the characteristics? What are the qualities of a good husband? And so out of that is coming the next infographic which is like last week, a bit of a continuation, and it's a one-minute guide to being a good husband. So a one-minute guide to being a good husband. And I'm going to, there was things that the Lord has taught me. Now it's over 23 years that we've been married. So if you're listening to this, and who is this guy talking about this stuff? Well, (laughs) that's who I am. We've been married for 23 years. We have four kids, and uh, two of them are adult kids, and two of them are under, the, they're, they're growing. They're under the age of adulthood. So these are things that God has taught me, and also uh, I've consulted with Anna. Now, Anna will be the judge if I'm a good husband, <laughs> not myself, and, um, and the Lord. <laughs> what was that, Anna? I couldn't hear that. Can we get, can we get, the, can we get the microphone? <laughs> oh. So, and this is going to be a, a shorter, briefer message, but I feel this is very important for our community and those connected with our community. So a one-minute guide to being a good husband. The first point is this. Receive God's love continually. Receive God's love continually. And especially for men, we've got to get out of the theories, mere theories. Theories are important, but theories, doctrine, head knowledge, and actually receive the Father's love in our hearts and experience it. And not just a one-time event, but daily, continually. And some people will feel like, that's impossible. No, it's not impossible to know God's love every day. Um, And this has been my bread and butter for ever since we've been married. We'll go over to 1 John 4.19. And some of of this is summing up what I've shared at Bible school. Um, Some of the principles that I've shared. Now, this is an important one. We've mentioned it. I believe you would know it. First uh, John four nineteen, and it's very simple. But again, the simplicity of it does not mean that it's not so deep and profound. It is so deep, so profound, so revolutionary in its simplicity. But the living of it, this is what's important. We love 
because he first loved us. Did you hear that? We love because he first loved us. And what I'm saying here is that the only way we can love is to know his love first. So the love that we give people must be, must be the overflow of his love to us, that we know his love, and that's why we're loving people. Otherwise, we're loving them out of the wrong motives. And many people get married for the wrong reasons. Many people get married for the wrong reasons. Bless you guys. Welcome. Uh, they get married because they want someone to make them complete or they're getting married because they want to be loved. But the real motivation, especially for men, is the reason we are getting married is so that we could give love. Did you hear that? You're going to receive love, but you got to receive your love from God. All right, there's going to be times where your kids won't love you and your wife may not love you too much. (laughs) <laughs> and this is, and the people around you are not going to love you. This is why you need to be such a good receiver. If you're a man, you need to be such a good receiver of God's love. This is what makes men, is that they have learned to love from the Heavenly Father. And this is, what's made, this is what has made the ultimate man, or this is the ultimate man's uh, example, is Jesus, who received all his love from the Father And that's how he was able to give love. So we love because he first loved us. And then, bless you, Peter, we're talking about a one-minute guide to being a good husband. Hallelujah. Uh, Hallelujah. And it's Anna's birthday today, so for those, we'll sing her happy birthday later for those who don't know. September 11th, September 11th. And that was always a, a bit of a uh, challenge when we you know, first got married. I'm from New York, and of course, the Twin Towers fell on September 11th. So her birthday, was filled, her birthday was filled with sadness of watching these Twin Towers falling every year. Uh, and uh, so <laughs> Anna's dad used to go, you want to hear something uh, interesting? You know, my, my daughter's married to a New Yorker, and her birthday is on September 11th. <laughs> So, again, getting back to our subject, we love because he first loved us. And then go to Ephesians 5.25. So the response to be the head of the household is not meaning in the Bible to be the one who is, uh, like, lording it over people and oppressing them and the one who is commanding and ordering everything. Really, the head means that the love is You are so receiving the love of God, like the anointing being poured on the head. You're receiving the anointing of God's love that it's flowing from you to your family. Are you hearing this? So the head has the chief responsibility of bringing the love of the father, the love of the bridegroom into the household. And in order for him to do that, he needs to continually receive the love. And so this is what, we read about here in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So that's the highest standard possible. And gave himself up for her. So this is what love looks like. To make her holy, 
cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So the call is to love. And the only way to love is to receive love. Again, it's got to go from the head into the heart and then flow out. Are you with me? And this is also, if you're you're preparing to become a husband, this is like marriage counseling, right? And uh, if you're preparing to become a husband, this is what you need to be doing. I need your love, Lord. If there's any blockages, remove them. But I need your love to come in and heal me and restore me. Let my motivation for being married be be true. And and that motivation is to love rather than to get love. Uh, Receive God's love continually. So that's my first. This is a one-minute guide. So you can read this infographic in one minute, but I'm spending a little bit more than one minute, but not too long, not too long. I'm watching my time here. The next thing is, number two here, is represent Jesus consistently. A good husband represents Jesus consistently. Now, I was saying before that if you're not a man, this still applies if you're lo- when you're looking to get married, and I'm thinking of all the, the younger ones too. Uh, and you, you, you want to look for these traits in a man. You don't want to look for the guy who's all buff and you know, he displays his muscles on Instagram and look how, look how attractive I am. You want to look for the guy who is most like Jesus, the one who loves Jesus, who, who receives his love and, and has that integrity. So look for someone that represents Jesus. And then here to the husbands, I'm saying represent Jesus consistently. Not up and down, not just one day a week. It's a consistent representing Jesus every day. Your role as a husband is to represent Jesus to your wife. Remain close to Jesus and be his disciple. Continually learn and receive from him. Then you will reflect him to your spouse. So as men, sometimes we're very proud, very independent. And this is where we have to learn to sit at Jesus' feet and surrender uh, control, surrender our pride. He is Lord, not us. And we need to constantly be learning from him. So uh, a good husband is someone that's a disciple of Jesus, constantly is learning from him, but they're learning from him with a purpose, and that purpose is to become like him. That's the goal of discipleship, is to become like him. In other words, to re- represent him. So my, ho- my role as a husband is to represent Jesus to my wife. I know I will fall short, but that is my, my goal. That is my aim. That is my desire. And in order for me to do that, I need to be intimate with him. Abide with me. Abide with me, Jesus said, and I will abide with you. So this... I need to be close to Jesus, drawing my life from Jesus, much like the first point, continually learning, continually receiving. Now, I'll read this some more. Again, we've read it before. I'll read the whole thing now. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Now we'll stop there. One of the roles of a husband is to feed their family, not merely food, you know, not just food, uh, but... And I'm not saying the wife doesn't feed too, but here we're emphasizing the husbands to feed their family the word of God. Did you get that? And in order to feed the word of God, you need to be hearing the word. Your heart needs to be stirred. Just like when I read the Bible, my heart's like jumping within me. There's a stirring. I could, it's like I feel a pillar of fire resting on a passage and and, this is, and, and then the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me about that passage. And then I share it. All my stuff comes out of I'm spending time with God, and then I'm sharing it with you. That's the same model for a husband. You, you're receiving things from the Word. It doesn't have to be the most brilliant sermon. Uh, often, especially in a family setting, it's these one-minute, kind of one-minute messages. You know, these quick, quick things that you're sharing, but they come from God. And they are important. They come out of the word of God. Your role as a husband is to feed the word of God to your family. Now, they're not going to listen to you if they don't see you um, living like Jesus, right? So this is why you need to allow this word to work in your heart so that you can feed it to others. After that, it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So here Paul is laying these things out. Like I said before, for a wife, they also love too. They also can feed too. They can also work too. The, the traditional idea of the, the man, man works and the woman stays at home is not necessarily a biblical idea because you read in Proverbs that the Proverbs 31 woman is constantly working, selling things here and there. A woman can stay at home, and that is a beautiful job, and she can work or she can work from home. We don't want to kind of restrict, uh, restrict our view of husbands and wives to kind of just merely Christian traditions that are not aligned to the Scripture. Are, are you with me here? We've got to go back to the Scripture. And there's a lot of things that need to be washed away in our thinking. But what doesn't need to be washed away is that the husband needs to represent Jesus. The husband needs to represent Jesus consistently and needs to receive God's love. So these are eternal principles that I'm sharing. Some other things are more cultural things, but these are eternal principles, which no matter what culture you're in, they're important. How are we going here? Good. Acts 4.13. Now, this is one of those, this verse, early when I was a Christian, really spoke to me. I heard one of the pastors, it was a men's retreat, and he was speaking to the men, and he shared on this verse, and it's always stuck with me, and uh, it's, it's quite 
It's very powerful. Uh, Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Did you hear that? They were unschooled, ordinary men, and yet there's thousands of schools now based on their teaching. You know, there, you know, Peter, St. Peter's School, you know, and, and you know, St. John's, and these could, be sec- these could be more secular type of education centers, but you have all these Bible schools and theologians scratching their hand. And what, they started out as unschooled, ordinary men. But what made them different is they were disciples of Jesus. So he is the master teacher, no better teacher than that. And they learned from the master teacher himself, Jesus. And this transformed them. And notice how it says they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were with Jesus. They had been with Jesus and Jesus had rubbed off on them. And that spirit that Jesus had was now in them. And so it was noticeable and it offended them because they thought that to be a great man, they had to go through their system, the Pharisaical system, the Pharisaical education system, and all sorts of uh, other things that they approved of. Well, they went straight to the source, which was Jesus himself, God himself. And they were with Jesus. And this is the thing that makes a good husband is someone that is with Jesus. Now, if you're looking at your husband and thinking, well, my husband's none of these things. Uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope. Am I on? I'm on still. Yeah. Um, you may think my husband's not any of these things. Well, pray. This is how you are to pray for your husband. And you'd be amazed at how God answers that prayer. I've seen God just really get a hold of husbands in dreams and visions and encounters with God that has trans- they have been transformed. So if you're saying, oh, I don't have this and I'm married, well, pray. And then even if your husband is a good husband, they're not going to be perfect. So pray for your husband along these lines. Anna, could you please pray for me that I would represent Jesus every day consistently? (laughs) And so this is what husbands and wives do. They realize that they realize their spouse is not going to be perfect. But we do have an aim. We do have an aim. And that is Jesus The next thing is, the third thing, is listen and speak life. Listen and speak life. So when we were in our backyard cafe, I sat down and I said to Anna, what do you think would make a good husband? What do you think scripturally? And so we listened to one another. And also, there's the importance of listening. And the other side also is speaking life. I would always say that listening comes first. And when you open up the Song of Songs, the Song of Songs starts with the bride speaking. And the bride speaks for some time. And then finally the bridegroom speaks. And I see this as a great pattern for marriage, that first we need to be listeners. And then when the bridegroom speaks, how does he speak? Does he speak condemning words? No, he speaks words of life. He speaks words of love. He speaks words of affirmation. And this is, our, uh, a, a, this is a, a great example for us husbands. Speak words of affirmation, life, love, encouragement, good things into your wife. And you'll find that, that those words of life will strengthen her and fill her with, with life. I was with uh, 
we were look, uh, with um, was with uh, my in-laws, uh, Phil and Ingrid, my father-in-love and my <laughs> mother-in-love. <laughs> and he was saying, if you want to see a good pastor, look at the, and you want to see if he's a good, you know, good husband, look at the face of his wife. And so the face of the wife really is a good uh, determination because uh, it shows what's kind of going on. So ask, not to say that everybody's going to look perfect and happy all the time. We're going to go through sadness. But there should be something much deeper, a deeper joy, even in the pains and sorrows of life. So speak and uh, listen and speak life. So learn from the Song of Songs. The bridegroom listens to the bride and speaks affirmation, life, and love to her. And we might as well turn to Song of Songs 115. Song of Songs 115. And this is when the bridegroom is speaking to the bride one of the first times. It's near the beginning. One of the first times, not the first time. But notice what he says. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes are doves. And this is from the NIV version. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes are doves. So it's a compliment. It's affirmative. It's affirming her beauty. This is the type of husband you want to have. Now, this is the thing. You know, men can be really slick and charming when they're courting a woman. And, uh, and then all of a sudden they get married and there's no more affirmation. It's like they, they've won the, the bride and it's like there's no more affirmation, no more love, no more words of life. You have got to keep, what I'm saying to the men, is you've got to keep that love every single day consistently. You need to keep on speaking to your wife that she's beautiful, that her eyes are beautiful, that she's a, a, an amazing woman. You need to affirm the gifts and the character that's in her. You can't just be like doing this when you're courting, and then once you get married, you forget about it. Are you with me? <laughs> it's every day, speaking life, speaking love. Hallelujah. And Lord, where that hasn't happened, let there be healing. Let there be healing. So we're almost finished here. The next thing is... Make time to be alone together. We have a couple there on a park bench. Make time to be alone together. Life is busy. It's easy for weeks and months to pass without really connecting with your spouse. Be proactive in spending time alone together. So again, the courting phase, you're always trying to spend alone long time together, then you get married, then life hits, and it's a lot more difficult. You've got to fight for it. You've got to work for it. You've got to actually cut out space, carve out time for it. So go on dates and guard your one-to-one -one time. It's how intimacy is cultivated. That's how intimacy is cultivated. And in Song of Songs 2.10, it says... Listen to the husband speaking here, the bridegroom. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. This is like a date. Come with me. Let's go. Let's go on a venture together. Let's go out together. Let's do something special. Just me and you. No kids. 
And again, that's, it could be difficult, but it's definitely worth fighting for. So make time to be alone together. And one time, it was very difficult so, to get time alone together. So when the kids went to bed, maybe they're going to sleep for one hour before they wake up again. Mom, mom, dad, dad. <laughs> I put out it's like some candles, and we got some takeaways. So, okay, here's our date, because the kids were very young. And it was very hard to get out. Here's our little day here. So whatever situation you're in, you can do this stuff. You know, it's not impossible. Just that heart. And the last thing, the last thing is pray with one another. And this is what Anna was mentioning when we were talking together. Pray with one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 that's the only, there's more scriptures here. And one of the reasons why I designed these infographics is you could take them and you could do a Bible study with people. Maybe you're discipling somebody. You can go through these scriptures. You could say, hey, we're going to meet at a cafe. We're going to look at this one and we're going to go through one, one of these points a week. And so I'm empowering you so you could do your own marriage counseling. <laughs> All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It's after Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians, all that good stuff. And it's a simple one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. That's how it starts, but this is what I want to emphasize. Pray continually. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So pray continually. An effective marriage is a marriage that is constantly praying together. So instead of talking and stressing about everything, bring it to the Lord and leave it there. Pray about everything, every situation every stress, every pain, every, every lack, every, everything that um, you're struggling with, pray, pray together, and pray with one another, most of all, to, to know him, to know his face, to have his grace in your life. But pray, pray, pray with one another. As my dad used to always say, as we would go off to church, a family that prays together stays together. And when prayer is real, yeah, then you're really going to have that sticking power because you've heard it before. An effective marriage is it takes a three-strand cord. It's Jesus, you, and your spouse. Jesus, you, and your spouse. And so when you're praying together, you're actively bringing Jesus into your marriage. So you're moving out of the theory realm into the reality realm. So you're praying with one another. Yes, Anna. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat that so people, if you're listening on the podcast, you can hear that. It, does, it, it can mean having a prayer meeting, but it's 
not just having a prayer meeting. What Anna is saying is it's, it's a continual part of your life while in the middle of a conversation, all right, let's pray now. So it's as you go, it's as you get in the car, it's as you're in the car, it's as you're sitting down. So prayer becomes a normal part of your life. And you're praying about these issues or situations as they come up. And that prayer becomes, uh, yeah, it becomes normal, <laughs> natural. That's good, yeah. Prayer becomes natural, uh, uh, part of your marriage, part of your family. How'd you go? So, oh, I didn't need to do that again. Well, let me just sum up. So a one-minute guide to being a good husband. Now I'm going to do it in one minute. A one-minute guide to being a good husband. Receive God's love continually. Represent Jesus consistently. Listen and speak life. Make time to be alone together and pray with one another. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to pray. And then we're going to celebrate Anna's birthday together. Have a little bit more time of fellowship. Father... Your kingdom is made up of strong husbands who know that they are loved by you, Jesus, who know that they are loved by the Father. Your kingdom is made up of strong families because the love is coming from the head down into the body. And that the husband is receiving love and, and giving it. But I want to pray also for those where this is not happening yet this is not happening yet i pray for every woman to receive their love from their heavenly bridegroom jesus and in that way they're not looking for their love from a man they're looking for their they're looking for love from their bridegroom so i want to pray where the women have been hurt that there would be healing in their hearts where the men have been slack, that they would just rise up and, and realize, I need to seek the Lord. That this marriage thing is just not something I can take for granted. I need to be with Jesus. I need to sit at his feet. I need to be receiving from him. Because if I'm not receiving from him, I cannot give anything. And Lord, I pray for all those men that are preparing to be husbands like Gideon, Missy, and there's others, and all those men that are new husbands, they've been married in the last few years, that this foundation would be so strong in their life. And they would not wait till they're married to start putting this into practice, that now they would start to be the men of God that you've called them to be. And we're asking you, Father, to raise up men in Australia. This is what I'm speaking for, for your purpose, men of God and women of God, and families that reflect you. And not, with, not with the religious baggage, Lord, but just inflamed with your love. Representatives of Christ. Lord, we're asking that you work all these things in our church, in our families, in our lives, and that you'd use this message. Take it, bless it, kiss it, give it wings, and use it. And let it transform, transform us in your precious name. Amen. Amen.